Have you ever heard the saying, when God closes a door, he opens a window? There's this sense that if we lose a job or something bad happens in our life, that it's going to lead to some other opportunity that is for our good. But how much do we actually believe that to be true? What if being released from your current assignment is actually God making the path straight for your next assignment, which actually is, turns out to be like your greatest calling in life. The assignment that trumps all the other ones. And you're able to look back and say, wow, God allowed that to happen because he knew that I needed to be in this job right here, right now. We had a great conversation with Kyle and Maria Isabelli. Kyle has a book coming out this week, and it's called Refined by the Fired. And we talk about his story of being released and fired from a church, not once, but twice in the same month, and how he navigated that, the personal journey that God led him on, not just to find another job or a better job, but what God did in his heart, what God refined in him, and really set him up for the next season of his ministry. This is one of my favorite interviews that we've done. I think that the genuineness and the heart of this couple really come through. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed this conversation. And we think you will too. So sit back and listen. This is the Life After Ministry podcast. Hey, welcome to the Life After Ministry Podcast. My name is Matt Davis. I'm here with my beautiful bride. Say hi, Mary Lee. Hello, hello. There we go. Um, and we are both here. We're joined with Kyle and Maria Isabelli. Can you guys say hello? Hey. Hello. Thanks for having us, Matt and Mary Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's do the, the, the easy stuff. Where, are, where do you live? Do you have children? What's life like? Hobbies, your first date, all of the your most painful moment. Oh, I'm just kidding, not okay. all of that, but all we're going it. there. All of it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, we um we we're in the Chicagoland suburbs. We've been uh, Chicago suburbs kids our entire life. Uh, so now we are raising our family here as well. Um, we've been married for 12 years. We were high school sweethearts. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you asked for our first date was going to see Happy Feet in the movie theater. <laughs> Um, nice. <laughs> Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah, little penguin. Little penguin yeah. is cute. So, um, yeah, that was the first date, and then um, yeah. So now, been married twelve years, and dated since high school, and, and we have two kids: Nora, who is eight and a half, and Max, who is seven. So, um, yeah, and we've been in ministry um, for probably yeah before we got married. So about you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years we've been in ministry doing. Youth. And so, were you guys? in ministry together or Kyle, were you in ministry and Maria, you married into it? Um, maybe adjacently, I guess, in a sense, like we met in high school youth group. And so, um, well, we, we met freshman year from afar. And then I feel like the bulk of our testimonies really developed between freshman year to senior year when we kind of got reacquainted, ended up in the same friend group. And I would just say, at that point, so it was informal ministry, but really like Kyle was a leader within the youth group and I just felt drawn to serving in that way as well. So I felt like we were on a similar path in that regard um, and it kind of just continued throughout our relationship. By that point, he knew he did want to go into full-time vocational ministry um, 
So when we started dating, I knew that that was going to be a part of our future. And I was all for it and excited to kind of jump in um, and be a partner in ministry and really just make this what we kind of spent our lives doing together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Kyle, what was that call for you? How did you know this is what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, it, um, excuse me. It happened, uh, probably one of the summers in between sophomore, junior year, um, or junior, senior year really felt a call to ministry at a summer camp. Uh, A lot of the youth pastors in the area would do camp together and, um, there was one of those campfire nights and, um, just really mm-hmm. got that sense from the Lord. That's what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And, um, all the youth pastors that were present had all attended Moody Bible Institute. So they always talked highly of it. And, um, so it was, it was the, I wanted to do what they were doing. I wanted to make an impact like they had on my life. And, um, you know, the, I always get choked up a little bit, but the cool thing was coming back then to my parents um, they had always, my dad always prayed I'd be a leader. My mom had always prayed I'd be a pastor. And I didn't know that <laughs> until, until I came back from summer camp and told them that I was like, I think I want to wow. go to Moody someday. And so, um, yeah, just felt that calling applied, got accepted and, and kind of the rest is history. So. Okay. So you served in the role of, of ministry. You were doing youth ministry. Yeah. Yep. So once we got married, um, after college, we were at separate colleges. So once we graduated college, um, we got married and then I did get a job as a youth pastor at a church and I was there for four years. And then we transitioned, um, back towards the suburbs, uh, once we had Nora. So then Maria was also doing ministry, but then she wanted to stay home, uh, with Nora. And so then I started at a new church around 2015 as the high school pastor there. Okay. So we are, are talking to you because you've had a transition out of ministry and that transition for you did not go very well. Um, tell us a little bit of, of what happened there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, you know, I was at, we were at this church in 2015, um, I was a high school pastor and within that hiring process and within like the first full year of being there, I had four different supervisors. Um, and so just a lot of different expectations about what's a win, what is success in ministry. Um, with different opinions. And uh, so there's just a lot of changes, a lot of transitions just in general within the church. Uh, change was a, a very strong constant uh, within our staff culture. And um, it, it was toward the probably year and a half mark. Um, I remember we had our second child, Max, and coming back from uh, being off for a couple of weeks, uh, just the, the relationship kind of just shifted between myself and my supervisor and I couldn't really put a finger on it at that moment, at that time. Um, and so over the course of the next few months, we began to have conversations and realized that success looked a little bit differently for the two of us. And even though things were, you know, up and to the right in regards to students or attendance or whatever it was, it's still just how we thought how things should look just run. It just was a little bit different to me. It didn't seem non-consequential, but um, it was about a week before Easter. Then that spring of 2017, my boss pulled me into a meeting with another pastor and I thought I was going to be like told, Hey, we need you to do this for Easter Sunday. And and at that point became multi-site. So I was like, all right, tell me which campus I'm going to be at. And, you know, I thought it was going to be instructions about that. Instead I was, told that I wasn't a good fit and that I'll be done in the next month and um, just 
not going to be working at the church anymore. So don't tell anybody. And don't tell anybody. Yeah. Cause Easter's coming next week. So, <laughs> don't, tell so don't tell anyone at all. Um, you have to keep it to yourself and to your wife for a whole week. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was the beginning of the end of my time there at the church. Did, did you stick around for the whole month? Uh, well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It um, ended up being a whirlwind. It got a little weird from there. It got a little weird from there. It, um, <laughs> okay. After not really telling anyone for a couple of weeks, um, some of the higher ups and some of the elders began to find out that I was one of the two staff that were being let go at the end of the ministry year. So around May and, um, it was a surprise to everyone who heard it was me. And so it brought me back into a uh, process of mediation between one of the pastors on staff, who was the mediator between my supervisor and myself. And the goal of that process was to figure out if that was the right decision to fire me or not. And, um, it was those three weeks. It was just weird because some people had already found out that I was fired and some people didn't. And, um, yeah, we were trying to figure out if I should be fired or shouldn't be fired. Um, Mm -hmm. but those three weeks of conversation, uh, made it very clear some of the expectations, some of the ways that, um, my supervisor defined a win in, in youth ministry. And um, by the end of it, Maria and I had, you know, just confirmation, like, this is not where the Lord has us. This is, we're being kind of released from this. And, um, you know, my supervisor just kind of felt the same way, like, nope, like we are on different pages and we're going to move in different directions. And so, um, you know, I found out middle of April and then by the middle of May, it was announced to everyone after, kind of after the last night youth group and before the summer kicks off, it was announced to everyone that the church was going in a different direction. Maria, how did he tell you about this and what was your kind of response? Like what gut reaction? Like how did you feel about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I, I still remember it. Kyle came home from work that day and um, we had an appointment to go to. And so he picked me up and he was just quiet in the car and, um, all of a sudden kind of just, it all spilled out. And I just, I feel like I was in like shock, disbelief. Like I knew that he was doing a really good job and that he was discipling students and the like creating community within the leaders. And I just, it just felt like it came out of nowhere. And so I was totally knocked off my feet. Um, and I, (laughs) I don't know. I, um, I tried to encourage him in that moment because I was like, man, like, you're a really great youth pastor. Like, I, this is just, I was so surprised, um, really, I guess is what it comes down to. And then I feel like those first couple days, this, like, well, this cloud of grief kind of settled in. And, and that's strange because it's not like there was a death, but there was a loss of a lot of things that kind of happen after that. I mean, first, <coughs> someone outside of church ministry, when you get fired or have a situation like this happen, I think you lean into your church community. And in the instance of when the church is the one doing the firing, I mean, you lose so much more than just your job. You lose your community. You lose those, that like safety of people that you are meant to press into and look to for that support and encouragement you lose. I mean, the place where you're 
serving and utilizing your gifts for the Lord, you lose the place where you're worshiping and connecting with God in a sense. And so there's just so many losses. And I think like that wave of grief kind of would come and you just realize all these layers that are kind of being taken away from you. And you feel like, man, I lost everything at once in a sense, you know, like so many things. Um, and yeah, it was just this heavy cloud of grief for those first couple of days that really just settled in. And I hadn't really ever experienced anything. I feel like that before. <laughs> what you guys do? Cause I, I think a, a lot of the people that we've talked to, um, in that it, it's this weird liminal space where some people, they look back and say, what went wrong? What just happened? You're looking backwards at the past and yeah. trying to pinpoint like, where did this separation or this conversation begin on their side mm-hmm. that I may have missed? And then some people, they're like, forget the past. Like I'm, I've got to figure out what's ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you both go mm-hmm. in that kind of spectrum? I know, I know for me, um, you know, I called my youth pastor the next day. So the guy who had mentored me, got me in the ministry. And it just so happened that probably 10 years prior, um, he had moved his family from Chicago to California, was at a church for 53 days. And one day a supervisor came in and said, pack your bags, you're done. No mediation process, no conversation, no, hey, you got to be quiet for a couple of weeks. Just you're done. Here's your box and go. And, um, and so he had gone through that, moved his family back from California to Chicago. And, um, so I called him and I was like, what did you do? How did you like, not like what happened, but like, how did you get through it? What were your thoughts and feelings? I remember calling him day one of, of all of this. And, um, he just, um, he really challenged me just to be reflective of myself. Like, what are the things that God's going to teach you right now? What are the what are the things that um, God is bringing to heart, um, bringing on your heart, bringing to light? What are the areas that you want that God wants to grow in you? You know, like what are the things that um, He's going to do to make you more Christ-like in this season ahead, no matter what it is. Um, I, I wanted I wanted to just complain to him and talk about how my boss is a jerk and he's an idiot, and I wanted I wanted Justin just to you know hear all those things, and so he just challenged me. And um, I think that to me, um, I don't know why I'm getting so emotional talking about this, but um, that to me uh, set me on this trajectory to begin to really process what I was going through and the pain. And and I began, he, he encouraged me to start journaling, start writing down every Bible verse you're reading, anything you, you sense in prayer, just start writing it down, writing it down. And that's what I began to do. And um that really began to open up my heart to the ways um, God was working in my life and the things, the sin he was trying to eradicate from my heart um, so I could be more like him. Um, And so it was a reflection back in one sense, but it was also in the same time looking forward to how I was going to become more like Jesus in this season ahead. What an amazing mentor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kudos to you for listening to him and taking his words to heart and, doing the work on yourself, you know? So was there any doubt for you that you were, your next job was a ministry job or was it like, I think I'm going to go to Starbucks for a while. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's funny you said that because as we were preparing, we noticed one of the questions says like, what got you out of ministry? And that question kind of stopped me for a second because it's like, 
man, I don't feel like we were ever out of ministry. And, you know, everybody's situation is different and how they process and what they need after something like this happens. Mm-hmm. But I think for us, like, I don't even remember it being a question that we asked out loud, like, should we look for another church ministry job? Like, we will just knew that that's what we feel called to. And that's where, um, where we still wanted to be. Like we love, we love the church. Yep. And though we were devastated and there was a lot to process and there was hurt and things that we had to work through. Like we, we just always knew like, this isn't it for us. So like, you know, right away it was, like what churches are within our area that we can apply to that align with like, you know, what would be a good fit and what we believe. And, um, we had just bought a house like one year prior to this, our first home. So it's like, we're like, we can't really like turn around and move like logistically. It just like, didn't make sense financially after everything too. And so we're like, okay, God, like you planted us here and you knew this would happen. And so like, what, what options do we have? Um, and kind of started looking and like, thankfully there were, there were, you know, churches just outside of really our immediate community that, um, there were, you know, three different specific jobs that we started interviewing for. And, um, yeah, we, we processed together, like what would be the best fit and where, where do we feel God calling us? But we just, yeah, to answer the question, we always knew that, you know, this is what, this is what we feel called to. And though we're hurt, we're still unwavering in that. I have a question. I'm trying to figure out how to, Mm -hmm. so it sounds like over the course of that month, when first they told you they were letting you go Mm -hmm. and then you entered into this sort of like backward way of mediation. And is this supposed to happen? Is this like the whole thing seems very upside down and unorganized, but, um, so over the course of that time, as you have this person kind of mediating, it I think I heard you say, I mean, by the end of it, you had clarity that it was time to move on and that this was not going to be a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. And I think my my question is, I think that's not uncommon, right? Sometimes that happens in jobs. Like you can be awesome and someone else can be awesome and the way that you see things and you your perspective is different and so it doesn't mesh, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is, looking back, is there, if you could go to the your your supervisor again and be like, hey, like, you learned from something from it. I'm sure he learned something from it. How could he have, what could he have done differently for you guys to have that conversation to come to the point? Like, well, maybe we're not a good fit for each other. Do you understand well, what I'm trying great, to ask? It's a great question, like, Mary Lee. I think... Um, how could they have done that in a way that would have been less hurtful yeah. and would have been edifying for you and also mm-hmm. maintained? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's as clear as possible, even putting on paper expectations, like objective, subjective expectations versus we were in a season as a church where like the vision of the church was changing. You know, we just worked with a consulting group two months prior and, everyone's kind of figuring out these things about themselves and how they interact and, and strengths and weaknesses. And so like where everyone is learning these things about each other and, and there's, there's great value in different personality tests and, and stuff like that. Um, but to read that and then begin to make some assumptions and then just, Oh, well this, okay. Well, I can see now that things aren't going to work out because we see things differently or you're a different type of person. Um, 
it would have been good to say, okay, this is what I'm perceiving. This is what I'm seeing. Let's figure out a plan moving more forward to make some of these changes. Let's, let's have clear expectations of how we want you to meet different metrics, whatever it is. Um, that, that would have been helpful. I think the other part too was, um, when myself and, and the other in the junior high pastor were hired at the same time, two years prior, we were brought in basically with the, the idea of, and this is how they kind of pitched it to us per se in the interview process was here, here are the keys to the, the car of student ministry. Just start driving. Like it, you guys have to build it from the ground up. So we're building it from the ground up and then to have someone you know, a, a different supervisor with different expectations to come in and basically put us back in driver's ed. And you're like, well, wait, wait a second. Like I'm, I've been driving this car for a year and a half and now I need to go back and take driver's ed. And so just being able to articulate, like that's stuff I've thought about well past the day now, but being able to articulate those clear shifts and expectations and desires for what the ministry was supposed to look like, um, that, that would have been helpful. So just, just clear expectations clear conversations, clear guidelines prior to, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out type of thing. Well, and really too, like the timing of it, like that maybe could have been a very different process had it happened like before we were already told, like you're done. <laughs> so yeah. it's like to enter into a process like that after you are, have already been really hurt, blindsided, and, and then to kind of be like, okay, now I have to like, decide all over again it's like getting fired twice like this was it was just was not going to ever end well in a sense and it was an emotional roller coaster for us and you know I think that made it harder to like look at then a list of 30 bullet points of expectations that were not lining up and you're like man like I I don't know like I don't have the mental energy for this now because I've been like in this emotional roller coaster these past couple weeks trying to process and And I think I was torn in that process because like, I felt like, you know, we were around that two year point. I felt like I had community. I was loving the Bible study I was a part of and our small group was really great. And I had other moms I felt like I was connecting with. And so like relationally, I didn't want to leave. And so you get this list and you're like, well, well, maybe, maybe this can be like, can we make this work? And you know, it just we knew at the end of the day, like it wasn't going to work. There were too many things that just like clashed with a ministry philosophy. Yes. But also like personal boundaries and things that our family just needed to look differently that weren't going to line up. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, had the timing been different, maybe that process could have been more healing rather than just like hurt on top of hurt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kyle, you've taken this experience that you've lived through and you wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the title. I want you to tell us the title of the book and why you wrote it. Yeah. So the title is Refined by the Fired. And it's the fired has the letter D in parentheses. Um, how to process pain, regain purpose, and persevere after being fired from your church. Um, I wrote that book. Um, out of that day one uh, experience of what's next and just started writing and writing and writing. Um, And just over the course of that first year, um, I had written down so much. I typed out so much and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is like going to be a resource for someone because at that point 
2017, there really wasn't any resources at all for pastors who had been fired or been forced to resign from a church. It just, it wasn't out there. Um, what, what was your goal in sitting down and writing? It was, was it, a it was for myself. It was just, I Got have it. to work through everything I'm grieving and processing. Um, and then over the course of that first year, um, and starting a new ministry role, I began then to like get, you know, conversations from other youth pastors who've gone through the same thing or someone else in ministry has gone through the same thing. So then I would begin to share my experience. I begin to share some of the things that I've gone through and it was very helpful for them. And I was like, okay, this is helpful for me, but I now have a responsibility to be able to share my experiences with other people so that they too can process their pain. They can regain their purpose and their identity in Christ and their calling for ministry, as well as helping them persevere through the, the some of the deep, dark days that they have and will have to walk through. Um, so I just felt a, a calling, a burden, like, I got to get this message out. I got to share it with people. It's impacted my faith, Maria's faith tremendously, and we just want to help so many other people um, who will, who have or will have to go through the same thing we went through. You are not out of ministry by any stretch. You are still very much in it and probably even deeper. So you are a senior pastor uh, at a church now, mm-hmm. and um, you've moved out of the ranks of youth pastor. But I think youth pastors always make great senior pastors because <laughs> you you help staff the budget really well for the youth ministry, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you you guys are in ministry again, um, and now you're you're calling the shots essentially for the church along with your elder board. Uh, but how, how is it to be in ministry still in, in a different perspective? And what through this process have you learned that will help shape how you because as somebody who's an executive pastor and have let go of plenty of people and lots of regrets and wish I did those differently. You know, some of the people I've let go historically would listen to me talking about this in this podcast and say, what you, you, you didn't do any of this. And it's absolutely true. I totally messed up on a ton of them. This is like almost my penance, but what, what has the process been like um, for you to, go through this and to be in ministry, which is setting you up to be vulnerable again, um, yep. essentially, but then how you look at, at people that you are shepherding and the staff that you're shepherding. Yeah, no, that's a good question, Matt. Um, you know, so when we, about a month and a half later, we started at that new church in 2017. Um, and I was there as a youth pastor for about two, two and a half years. And then, um, in January of 2020, I became the senior pastor at this church. And so now... That's an easy time to start pastoring a church. <laughs> that, that, that's another book for another day. Another conversation for another day, for sure. Um, a lot of the past senior pastors in the area, uh, they started calling me the pandemic pastor because that's all I knew. I just, mm-hmm. I only know how to be a pastor in a pandemic. So, um, so obviously, like, we've now have perspective and we got, we saw God's sovereign hand at work. Like, he was obviously removing us from one church in order to prepare us to become the senior pastor um, at this other church um, right before the pandemic hit. And, you know, we've, we've loved the community. It's an Avenue Christian church in Clarendon Hills, Illinois. We, it's a blessing to be the senior pastor there and, and for Marie and I to just do ministry there, love on the people. Um, so we saw God's hand at work for sure. I would say the thing that, has continued to grow in me is my empathy um, that would not have grown 
had I not gone through uh, being fired. Um, just more empathetic and understanding of what people are going through, what staff have to deal with. Um, it was really, it really hit me hard, probably like four or six months into being the youth pastor there. One of the reasons I wanted to be at this church, there's a lot of them, but one of them was I had an opportunity to be a supervisor over a, a staff uh, person. And I was like, I'm going to do it the right way. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to show my boss, like, this is how you lead people. And I remember one day after having a conversation about something small, programmatic uh, in youth ministry, I remember getting in my car thinking, man, it'd be so much easier if I could just hire the person I wanted to hire for this job. And I was like, I'm three months from being mm-hmm. fired. And that thought crossed my mind like it was a good idea. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I can, I can see why it's very easy as someone in leadership just to say, yeah, let's move on to the next one. Um, and so just doubling down on wanting to shepherd, disciple staff, um, looking at Jesus's model of like, he spent the most of his spiritual energy into his 12 disciples. And so me viewing my staff as the people I should be discipling the most. And a lot of times it's not the perspective from a senior pastor. It's the staff is there to kind of move the mission forward. And, um, and that's true. And everyone does have a role to play and it is their job and their responsibility. But like there has to be a portion of my heart, my brain that's wired to shepherd them, to train them up, to equip them to do the work of the ministry as, as they are equipping others to do the work of the ministry. Um, so just, just growing that heart of empathy and understanding and that heart, uh, to shepherd and really care for those, uh, that I get the privilege of leading on our staff team. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we've made a commitment with uh, pastoral transitions that all of the people that are going through our process and as we're taking them through, this is a required reading. It's the new textbook that we're going to give to everybody as they come through. Um, you are at, at the time of recording, we're, we're anticipating when we're going to release uh, your, when you're releasing the book. Um, and so how do we get the book? Where do we find you and all of the fun stuff in your church? Give us all the connection points for people who are chomping at the bit saying, I must have this. I must know more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the book book comes out January 9th, uh, 2024. So very soon. Um, it's my wife's birthday that day as well. Uh, yes. Uh, nice move. Good job. There you go. That's a win. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I should get her a book for her birthday present. That probably wouldn't be a good idea, but uh, a signed book at least, right? Signed autograph. Signed, uh, signed, a signed oh, copy. You, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, and, and just a, a side note, Maria was instrumental in helping me take some of those next steps to, uh, move forward and like getting a book proposal done and, and, and just sh- this, the season that we were in um, and what we were going through. Um, she was just very helpful at saying, Hey, this, this is the time now to move forward with this. Like God's giving us this opportunity to do this and you need to kind of take advantage of it. And so um, it, I, I don't think it's ironic. I think is. <laughs> not a coincidence either. Like I I think it's intentional that this is when the book is coming out. So um, yeah, January 9th, uh, you can find it wherever you get your books at. Um, And then for me, you can connect it with myself and um, my wife, uh, kyleisabelli.com. That's I-S-A-B-E-L-L-I.com. 
um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, you can find us there uh, to connect, chat, see what's going on with our life, with our kids and everything that the Lord's doing. And then our church is avenuechristian.com. Love it. Um, I was just thinking, um, so thankful for you guys and for your story. Um, Maria, you seem like a rock and um, I love, I love that. And I think that this is not a process that when somebody gets let go, uh, who's in ministry that we were actually just talking to somebody earlier that it, it's there. There are lots of people that are let go in the process. That when somebody falls, they don't ever fall alone. Um, mm-hmm. And so, it's it's good for us to to have each other mm-hmm. in the process. And I'm thankful for you guys and your story for sticking it out and um, and really uh, finding blessing and being refined mm-hmm. in the process. Right. Absolutely. So absolutely, yeah. it's been a it's it been the way like- the Lord has worked in our life for sure. So mm-hmm. sorry, Marilee, what were you saying? <laughs> Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, my just impression of listening to you guys is like, you're the real deal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a quippy title. Like, you really were refined by being fired mm-hmm. and you, but, and you allowed the Lord to use that process. And I don't know, I, you guys come across as so authentic and genuine. Mm-hmm. And I also am looking forward to reading the book. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a great resource for, you know, hurting mm-hmm. people, hurting ex-pastors mm-hmm. and ministry workers all over yeah. all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Well, next time we're in Chicagoland, we will come by yeah. and stop over yeah. and see the crowd at Avenue <laughs> Christian. So thank you guys for sharing your story. Thanks for being on the Life After Ministry podcast. Is there life after ministry and is there ministry after ministry? Can we survive and get through this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Scott is faithful. Yeah. There's more That's to come right. for sure. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. Blessings. Thank you. (laughs) The Life After Ministry podcast is really an outgrowth of the work that we're doing at Pastoral Transitions. We are serving ministry leadership as they care for departing leaders and their families. We call it Kingdom Outplacement, and it's a comprehensive roadmap for navigating ministry terminations and transitions but doing it with love and grace. Now, overwhelmingly, we are getting a lot more leaders who've come out, who've been fired, who've been released from their positions, and they're still reeling and they're hurting and they're trying to figure out what's next, but they don't have the financial support to get the services that they need to walk that path. So we've started recently a nonprofit arm of what we're doing at Pastoral Transitions to enable people to partner with us in helping ministry leaders transition to what's next. It really feels like uncharted territory for a lot of people when they're leaving their role in ministry. It's not just a career change. It's a shift in everything in your life. We want to invite you, if you have a heart for outgoing leaders and for pastors, maybe they're going back into ministry and maybe God is leading them into something else. When you are supporting the work that we're doing at Pastoral Transitions, you're helping to provide personalized support for pastors and their families who are in that season of transition. And we help to foster communities of love and grace and encouragement in these challenging seasons and give them steps to navigate with clarity and confidence. So we invite you to join us. You can go to pastoraltransitions.com and there will be a donate button along the top and you can join us in this We appreciate it. We love these people and we want to be able to care for them now and into their next season for whatever it is that God has for them. Thank you for listening to the Life After Ministry podcast.